welcome to the Open Div Podcast, a series of conversations around spirituality and meaning making in the modern world. I'm Daniel Lev Shkolnik, and I'll be your host for season one, Rewilding, in which we explore nature-based rites, initiations, and spiritual practices that are accessible and authentic to a modern audience. For more on Open Div, you can visit us at opendiv.org. Raul Espinoza, welcome to the Open Div podcast. Thank you so much for letting me be here. I really appreciate it. And Raul, you are the executive director of All Kings, which is based in New York, as I understand it, uh, works with men both in and coming out of incarceration. You're an activist, you're a life coach with over 12 or 14 years of experience. And you were telling me just a moment ago about all the, the different countries you've been to, <laughs> from favelas in Brazil to Iraq and India and Senegal, doing initiatives with organizations there, which might be a whole other podcast on its own. But yeah, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, let's dive right into it. All Kings. It's a relatively young organization. It's been around for for just just around three years, you said. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about it and and tell me yeah, how you got involved. All Kings is a multicultural, multi-generational group of men that come together to dedicate themselves to healing and leadership. And we do that to support formerly incarcerated men or men impacted by the justice system. And also uh, a reach out to, to young men as well that are possibly in threat to, to be affected by the system itself. Uh, we do this work so that way we, we could have a safe container to unpack any emotions, any thoughts, any process, any things that we carry, any trauma that we have. And we hold these tight, safe containers that are all about take space, make space, uh, where we could come and pour and be ourselves fully and authentically express our deepest shames, our deepest sadness, our joy, the things that we think about, the things that we might be oppressed by, and learn how to be in relationship with them. Not necessarily to just accept them, but to create spaciousness in us so that we could return back to our families as our fuller selves and be really active and present members of our families and our communities. Uh, so we do this work because I personally have had very few opportunities where I could unpack all of me as a man, uh, where my anger is welcome. It's not about who I'm supposed to be, but who I presently am and, and sort that out as I move forward and evolve myself. And I do that in a brotherhood. All Kings is a brotherhood where we get to do that safely and grow and learn from each other rather than um, there's no guru in the front of the room. You know, <laughs> there's no one in the front of the room that knows all the answers we, we come together and we unpack that together and we learn together. Oh, that's awesome. That's great to hear. And how did you get involved personally? Yeah, well, like I was mentioning before, I've been doing transformational work for about 14 years now. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to travel around and work in emotional intelligence development, personal development, life coaching, business leadership, what have you, has multiple names. I've been able to work and travel around the world to work with grassroots initiatives and people who are just the underdog, who are helping out and, and taking care of their oppressed community for drinking water, electricity, civil rights, or anything, uh, impacts for racism. And I've done, I've done just worked and collaborated with multiple initiatives. And after this scope of travels, I came back to New York, where I mostly grew up. And there was something that was calling me to be here, something that was calling me to be present. Uh, I also have a background doing photography and film. And I was passively starting to work on a, a film around the Me Too movement. 
about men contributing to the conversation and contributing to the healing that gets to occur around this and why why are we being so silent about this? And I just started discovering more and more about the levels of unconsciousness in male emotional intelligence and conscientiousness about what's occurring from within us because of, I judge, as the permission or lack thereof of that I had into emotions. So there's this film called The Work. And there was a screening that was going with The Work, which the director of The Work is actually one of the co-founders of All Kings. Uh, and we could get into the how all that came about. But I came to watch the film. And again, there was something that was calling me to be here and exercise my skills. And at the same time, learn and unpack and create a space where I get to do this work. Uh, it was very young. It was eight to nine months old before I joined. And right after I joined, a month after COVID shut everything down and we moved everything to being digital. And since then, we've been able to scale and grow and and still do outreach and connect with men in our community. The reason why it's a diverse circle is, is not just just as impacted men, it's all men itself, uh, being that this comes from somewhere, this comes from unmet trauma, unprocessed trauma, where we could all make decisions that are, might not be in integrity with who we actually wanna be. We're responding from a pace of anger that we don't know to be in relationship with, or sadness that we don't know to be in relationship with. Uh, so that's why this is a diverse group. And, you know, it's incredibly empowering when gentlemen that have been impacted by the justice system could stand there without judgment uh, and be received and them wholesome and, and them being able to contribute to other men that have not been impacted by the justice system. Yeah. So in putting together this uh, season for the Open Div podcast, I, uh, you know, researched uh, a lot of different organizations doing similar kind of work. I myself am a part of MKP, the Mankind Project, uh, spoke with somebody there, kind of other um, School of Lost Borders and different organizations that either lead people out into nature or do group work, the Mankind Project being the one that specifically works with men. Speak a little bit about the kind of unique situation that men that have been a part of the justice system and coming out of that, what's their unique position and why is it important to have a group like All Kings to work with them? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think the medicine that we find in any of these groups can contribute to our growth and our healing. Uh, there's a, a number of brothers of ours that have done MKP. The origin of this work, aside from, you know, our, one of our co-founders that have been doing this work for quite a while, is Inside Circle which is an organization that was based originally inside of Folsom Prison. And they were doing this type of transformational healing work and for several, several years. So Inside Circle is kind of our brother slash father organization that has supported us in our growth. There's also the Band of Brothers in the UK. There's people from Mankind Project and Jericho Circle. Uh, so it was a combination of, of all these where we learned and we came together at the same time with other modalities of healing. And we wanted to create something that was unique to New York because we're talking about the streets in Harlem and Brooklyn and the Bronx. And these are just a different beasts from other places and other spaces that we have. We also wanted to create a space that had a focus on people of color to support because being that we're all, we had that focus in the justice system, the dominant target impacted by the justice system is people of color. So yeah, so this came about by creating something that was really bespoke and unique to our community that we have here. Now, when we're talking about the world of recidivism and men impacted by the justice system, there's over an 83% recidivism rate 
for people within five years of incarceration. So that means going back into prison. prison. So all these people that are coming out, we have by far, I think, four times the highest percentage population in in the incarceration system. In the world, you mean? In the world, U.S. US does, or four times percentage-wise, right? And a large, I mean, we could get into the the systemic racism and everything that's going on to there, but out of all the people that are coming out of the correctional facilities, you have 83% of them that are going back. Why is that? Now, there's tons of reentry programs. We don't knock anyone. We, we're all about reentry. We're all about therapy. We're all about support, whatever it is to, that you need and you can use for your growth and your healing. But there's something that was unique that we wanted to bring to the table. The men that started this organization that wanted to bring to the table and what we've been offering. And though there's job placements, there's housing support, uh, though it could take a number of time, what do I do with all those emotions that I've had to deal and pack down all my life. We're talking about some guys that have went into correctional facilities when they were 17 years old, they're in their 30s or 40s coming out, or even their 20s after after a decade, where their adult mentality is prison-minded mm-hmm. of operating and surviving in type of these conditions. Now you come out into foreign grounds where you're treated like a, a criminal where you're treated as worthless, where you can't get that job because you have a criminal background. You can't get that loan. You have a hard time finding housing. You get put in a shelter for months on end and you were expected to go and just leap above uh, our circumstances and create results in, in their lives. Yet, we're not necessarily providing the support emotionally and intellectually on how to navigate this. It's kind of being in the doingness and not in the beingness of what what are you actually experiencing. So we wanted to create a space that was really unique for these men. Mm -hmm. A place where they can be with their experience, with their feelings. This transition from the prison system to the outside world. I remember Michael Mead, uh, who's also on this series, he talks about working with uh, people in incarcerated uh, situations. And and he himself was in prison when he was younger. He talks about that transition as a kind of initiatory moment uh, where you're moving out from one state of, of being and, and life into another. And in the way that we, that transition happens now, there's no kind of ritual or deeper structure to it. It's just like doors are open, like there's like, you know, bureaucratic systems in place, but like the deeper levels of you now have to find a new way to relate to life and the world and and humanity. It doesn't seem like there's a a ritual around that. Uh, Right. So is that, is that what all Kings intends to provide? Yeah, I think definitely. So another thing that I want to touch on is that this trauma didn't start within prison. Mm. Uh, It usually comes, usually the time served was an action that came from trauma itself. Uh, We don't, or I don't believe anyone is inherently bad, inherently evil or malicious or anything like that. I think these are learned behaviors that taught us how to survive in our common reality. Now, I myself growing up in, in a Latino household, it was all about man up, toughen up, boys don't cry. I have to be the man of the house. In order for me to be the man of the house, I need to operate from a certain type of emotional cap with whatever I might be processing because I needed to be resilient, right? And I think that could be consistent for many families and cultures. But if I was taught 
from a very young age to disregard or even more so societally have permission to only be angry really then how am I supposed to really navigate through my emotions that way so we're already talking about as men what culturally commonly we are programmed to be in society now add on a consistent putting down to being caged to being days and hours on end in solitary confinements or to be treated poorly and be evoked into violence, evoked into sadness and grief and shame, where our practice then needs to be to desensitize and to show a bluff that we're fine, right? Mm -hmm. And when we practice that year in and year out, and then we come out to this world, all of us are afraid. All of us, I, every, I don't mean impact, just as impact, I mean, everybody on this world has things that they could be afraid of. How do they navigate and, and manage and interact with those feelings? That's something that I think we could learn to do through peers, through healthy parenting, through healthy camaraderie. Uh, and if we're not surrounded about that, then who do we turn to? Where do we go? So a lot of the men that we serve and that come that we come together with uh, have had a lack of that type of leadership and support and safe space to say, I'm sad. Or I, I have deep shame around this very personal thing because culturally I will be made fun of for that or I'll be belittled for that or I'll, I'll, I'll become now a, a risk. My life will be at risk now because if I show vulnerability or what they equate as weakness, then I'm receptive to anything that could occur to me for someone that wants to take something that I have. Yeah. And, you know, it's this really tragic position that boys, you know, find themselves in coming into the world where they have to essentially cut their childhood short and take on this hyper, hyper masculine, but not, you know, masculine in this, like, in this kind of warlike stereotypical way that cuts us off from, from our humanity, from large parts of, of what is really going on. And, you know, I was talking with somebody earlier this week they were saying that there's a, a certain kind of archetypal figure in mythology associated with like the devil, with uh, the rapist and with the man child. And uh, they were saying that this is kind of like the stereotypical like man that, that people fear in many cases railing against right now, you know, from feminist and other corners of, you know, the social justice world. And I heard that and I was like, wow, that that really hits home because, you know, in a sense, there's a need to kind of clear the name of, of men almost that like, we are, we are not these things yeah. and not like we are, we are so much more than that. We are children, we are boys, we are mm -hmm. human beings. And we need to learn that ourselves first too. <laughs> yeah. I think you make a great point about what I see is this forfeiting of our masculinity mm -hmm. to operate or to not offend or to not hurt or to be politically correct in these days. And we want to be kind, empathetic, empathetic, and have these traits. And in some ways, there's a demasculinization to our culture right now. Because when I speak to people for the first time, before they really understand what we do, there's sometimes I kind of test out the language to see how people will respond. And I talk about this male empowerment. And people are like, male empowerment? No, 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 we don't need that anymore. Men have been empowered enough. It is like... You're talking about patriarchal masculinity. You're talking about the, the ones that will step on you to get to where they're going. 
they're talking about the over testosterone, abrupt man up, toughen up masculinity. That's not what we're talking about, male empowerment. What does it mean to be empowered? What does it mean to be courageous with your vulnerability and honesty, your integrity, your joy, your all of, all of these emotions? How can you be in, empowered? And if we're not teaching that, yet men are predominantly the cause of violence in our communities and our homes. I've done work with with practitioners, healing practitioners, that men's trauma comes from a variety of different ways and and through different methods, usually from from other people. And for women's trauma, a lot of the women's trauma comes from men. A lot of the destruction and chaos or wars are driven with men behind it. And so if we don't have this space to really empower and teach men to be wholesome in themselves, and, and not necessarily just forfeit and just try to be shy or be silent, mm-hmm. but still claim ground from your king, as we say, it being why we say we're all kings. It's a rare space to have that type of permission to be uplifted in that way. Yeah. Speak a little bit more about that king archetype. Like, what does that look like? What does that mean um, mm-hmm. within that, the way that y'all work with it? Yeah, definitely. There's a couple of different books that have influenced our work. One of them is King, Warrior, Magician, uh, Lover. Yeah. And the, yeah, and the four archetypes of it, as you may know, but for who, those who don't, the warrior is our gut, our fire, our drive, our passion, our creation, and taking mind is light and shadow in both of these, right? And so there's there's a warrior of that drive, the action, reaction, cause and effect, fight or flight, let's go, let's create, manifest, let's make things happen. The lover is our heart, our empath, our giver, our, and, and so I'm sorry, I'm indicating on video, but like the, the warriors in our gut and our stomach, the, the lovers in our chest and our heart, where is the caretaker, the giver, the empath, the emotional, the ones that we relate to our mothers and fathers and our sons and daughters and our friends, the one who cares and nurtures and wants to take care of, right? Again, light and shadow. Magicians are mind. The magician is the narrative, the conversation, the critic, the judger, the, the, the one that process everything in language, right? Because we can only think what we have words for. So the magician being that, how do we view the world and our perspective and how we manipulate things to go to our beliefs, whether it serves us or not. Uh, and then our king is kind of our, our kind of spiritual spinal cord that connects, roots us down to the ground and connects us up to the divine. And the king is who gives the microphone to any of these to speak, how they speak, when they speak, who he chooses to do. So when it forfeits our empowerment and just lets our anger, just, all right, cool, your wounded heart, you want to speak, go ahead, do what you will do. The warrior will back you up and cause actions behind it. The mind will create affirmation about why I chose to do this route. And, and so the king is kind of the one that aligns us to be back into our center, our sound, and, and keeps us in integrity with that or off of integrity as well. Uh, because our magician could be well out of whack and our king will step into a belief system that doesn't serve. And you can see this politically, you can see this in society where we have a win-lose situations as when our king is misaligned uh, because of these other things, these other archetypes. Yeah. And what you mentioned earlier about this kind of skepticism that people have about, you know, men's empowerment. When I uh, tell people about the work that I've been doing with, let's say, MKP, a similar kind of reaction of, I have to like take a step back and like explain, it's like, no, 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 it's not like that. <laughs> it's not what you think. Yeah. And there's, um, there's this, 
I forget who it was that that made this point, but there's um, it, it could have actually been Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette, the, the authors of King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. They make this point that like patriarchy actually is, you know, it's kind of a, a rule of boys. It's not the rule of men, but the rule of boys, you know, boys pretending to be men. And that in, in fact, it actually, if you look at it, it hurts men as well as women in the sense that it forces us to take on these unhealthy warlike dynamics, compete against one another, like the way in which men hurt each other in a patriarchal system and how actually the kind of power dynamic that we live under, thousands and millions of men like feel disempowered. They feel they, they have no voice. They feel they have no, no strength. They have no dignity, you know, and it's not recently, it's been like this for a while where there are huge segments of the of male population that don't feel like they're winning out. And then they turn around, they take it out on whoever they can, which is oftentimes mm -hmm. women. Yeah, there's, I think there's a sense of where does this empowerment come from? Now, again, coming back to society where we're taught to operate and achieve success, what's, what does success look like? What does it mean to be a man in society? I don't mean for us, I just mean this textbook kind of reference on how people view masculinity and what it is to be an uh, empowered man. Uh, and it usually goes reference on fitness. It usually references on a financial status. It references to the power that you have above others. And we learned this from an even very young age in the most innocent ways, even in sports. We're taught to win, to conquer, to defeat. We had to be on top. And that the more that I could do that, the more of a man I am. So part of me being empowered or, or usually what people relate to being empowered is, am I above others? Am I entitled here? Am I in authority here? Mm -hmm. Am I capable above rather than just being wholesome in myself? Right. And that's, I think that's something that happens with men and women as well. But in, in, in regards to, to men in our communities, what does it mean to be wholesome? What does it mean to be empowered? Because those men that could come from that good intent can still do harmful things. And when you say wholesome, you mean in the sense of being whole? Yeah, I, I mean the sense of being whole. Uh, and wholesome, I, I also don't mean even just in a single self-reference. I mean that also in my environment, in my community, who I am in my family, who I am in relationship with myself my integration of shadow and light, you know, it's, it's, I'm not just all great, cool. I'm, you know, the, I'm, I'm acquiring all these good things that I do and am, but I have a relationship with my shadow and my trauma. I have a relationship with those things that are disempowering so that I don't have to project them out on others and continue this lineage of trauma that I've inherited because it's what I know so the more wholesome and conscientious I am about myself and my emotions and my relationship with that, then the more conscientious I could act with integrity of what I want to cause. Yeah. And how in All Kings gatherings, how do you do this work? How do you actually bring people to this place? To as far as our process or how like we integrate and and yeah, you know, if, if somebody was interested in, in showing up to uh, an All Kings event, like what could they expect? Yeah, there's there's all these briefing and prompts to kind of let men know what they're going to step into without revealing the process. And so 
the reason why we also do that is because some of our, we have different, different forms of how we do our work. So, and essentially we have three pillars. Our first pillar is our quests. These are the body of our work. These are weekends, uh, training, facilitated trainings. We have city quests, nature quests, and online quests. We did the online because of COVID. We still do them once in a while. And city quests, what we do inside the boroughs for our brothers that might not be able to leave the city or just be making it more accessible. Then we have the nature quest where we take men up into the uh, into nature two hours upstate New York and we immerse men in, into the process. For some of these guys, they've never been off the concrete streets. They've never seen stars before. They've never seen a live fire before. You know, so there's an intake where we want to also make sure everyone is medically covered, everyone is safe and sound. Uh, we, you know, safety is our, our big priority. And then when we immerse ourselves into this work, we do this initiation, we call them initiation processes, where it's very cathartic and it's experiential learning. It's not just, it's, it's partially speaking, but it's partially getting your body involved in it. We have multiple processes where we could unpack and it's triggering or revealing towards emotions that are laying under there. And then we could come together and share and debrief and talk about it uh, in a safe space and safe container with very particular container agreements, such as confidentiality, such as one mic. When, when someone's speaking, we let that man speak. We don't hijack, we don't take away. And we also can reference on when a person is felt. Like, oh, I, that that spoke to me too. I, I have the same thing. I deal with the same emotion. So we lift up a hand as an indication of like, I share that shame, that pain, that sadness, that joy. I share that with you, brother. And so we do this through a variety of different facilitated processes over the weekend. Yeah. And so it's, it's primarily in these kinds of full weekend uh, retreats that y'all work. Yeah. yeah. So that's one pillar. Our second pillar is our weekly meetings. We call them circles. We have them Brooklyn, Harlem, and online for now. And we're looking to expand more. And this is our weekly sit down. We, we circle up different men. We call them kinging. The circle is the person that leads the process for that evening. And it's a weekly touch base where we get to check in and say, hey, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What am, what am I processing? What am I going through? What support I might need? If there's any space for accountability, if we want to offer accountability to someone else or if we're having conflict. And then we, we process every week. We have an opportunity to do what we call carpet work or work. Mm-hmm. And the work is, all right, this is what I'm really dealing with. And if I could do work about anything, it would be around my struggle with finding a sustainable job. If I could do work about anything, it would be the pain that I feel with my partner when I feel like I'm struggling and I feel degraded and not hurt. If I could do anything, it would be around this trauma that I don't know how to put into language, but I just constantly feel sad and heavy. Whatever it is, we have trained facilitators there that could process and create space to create movement around some of this energy and alleviate some of the burden that it might have uh, on us. And so we do that weekly. So that way, again, we could return back and to be our fullest self for the rest of our reality. It's best to come and lay it down here and take it out on our partner or take it out on our children, or if we lose it with our bosses or whatever that might look like. This is a safe container where we could go and bring all of that. Yeah. yeah. And then the third, the third pillar that we have is dedicated to our leadership. Again, is take space, make space. So as I come here and unpack, I then learn 
how to facilitate some of these processes so I can make space for the next man. So now we're, we're teaching people, we're teaching these brothers on how to safely hold space and listen and, and process and support. Uh, and what I imagine that this is far beyond impacting the man itself. But what's happening is that we're creating active fathers, something that a lot of us lacked active members of our, our family uh, and to be able to sustain and keep a job and thrive in it. So it's not, now we're well past the world of just recidivism and survival outside in, in society, but we're now creating the container and space to learn how to really function and, and excel in our world. Yeah. And the men that, that come to all Kings out of the prison system, how well is it working? How well are they able to to stay and walk that path and stay away from going back to prison? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been incredible that the feedback that we've gotten uh, and our brotherhood that has grown and grown in these last three years, the fact that they could speak to something so unique, something that they never experienced before, not even just in the process, but in the camaraderie. And the fact that you could say the thing that you're most ashamed of that you thought you were going to go to the grave with, you could say it here and it'd be met with grace and love. And so to have that type of brotherhood, you know, we've had our brothers acknowledge the ability to put language on emotion. I can't reveal any, you know, anyone's process or specifics, but the fact that they could put language on emotions that I might've gone and that completely navigated the relationship or the interaction or the moment, the events, way different than it might have had it before when anger was my spokesman. So it's it's been incredible to see our men really integrate and learn this and process and then be able to give it back. Yeah. You mentioned um, nature. You know, you have city quests, you have nature quests, and that some guys have never never seen a live fire before and, and been out in, in uh, the wild. Yeah, why is that so important? And, and what are men's reactions when they... Uh, you know, especially the the guys that have never really been out there. Like, uh, how how is that for them? There's something we always talk about spirit in All Kings, and though we're not a religious based organization, far from. And though we talk about these processes and structure and everything, there's something that is our common thread. And so when we go out to nature, one is completely changing the environment. Uh, where I'm not reminded of my situation when I walk out the door. Uh, I'm not treated as in my occurring reality when, when I interact with others or when I'm trying to be in my life. So completely transforming the environment creates space to be open of what can I receive and creates grounds for us to actually process and do the work. There's also a very kind of tribal essence to what we do where you know we do work we do shares around the fire where we do processes in the woods where we could scream out without anyone having to hear us or be afraid of like neighbors or a car or siren passing by this is a completely isolated place where we could just be in earth and earth can completely take it from us and we honor it and it becomes sacred so there's a respect to each other that we exemplify, respect to earth that we exemplify, respect to spirit in our surroundings and what we've been through and where we're going towards. So then when we return back to the city, I have an anchoring point that could really supported me in my transformation 
for the seeds of my transformation. And so that's why we, we do it as well there. Yeah. And uh, in terms of the, where All Kings is based, it's, it's primarily in, in New York. Um, mm-hmm. are, there, are there plans of expanding it elsewhere? Yeah, I, I don't think in the near future. I think it might be something further down the line as we create more men that are familiar with. The reason why we have, like, we're New York based, we're New Yorkers. So we also understand how the reality is here that's different from men impacted in Colorado, you know, men impacted in California. Uh, it's Again, it's a bit of a different beast. So we intend to keep on expanding in New York. And what we've seen so far also, some of our brothers, because of COVID, had had to leave New York. So that's why we continue to do an online thing for some of our guys that are out. But they want to start something in North Carolina. They want to start something in Vermont. They want to start something upstate to specifically focus with the impacted culture that's there. So hopefully in the future, we will continue to expand outside of the New York region. But for now, our focus is to really support our community and our impact, being that how the justice system is also concentrated here uh, in New York. So that we, we look to keep on developing and folding to that. All right. Well, Raul, thank you so much for, for taking the time and, and uh, sharing about the work that y'all are, are doing. It's, uh, it's needed. Yeah, thank you so much. I, re- I really appreciate being able to share and talk about this. Again, this is the ripple effect in what we do, our focus and what we're doing. Our vision is that the ripple effect is not, again, just these men, but the community and the future generations, uh, young men out there without leadership, uh, young men that are targets right now, that they're looked at as the decay of our communities. and. People are watching them, waiting for them to mess up. And any opportunity, they get to jump on it. And often, uh, it ends in abuse. And so this is the transformation, I think, is something that's really needed in developing our communities from the inside out. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to share some of our story and why we do what we do. Yeah. And I guess if you could say one thing, one word to somebody that maybe coming out of prison system listening to this or or just feels like they um, are struggling with some of these same issues outside the prison system what would you say to a man like that anytime i have an opportunity to share it i say you have a seat here in fact actually when we have our circle there's always one open chair and we have that one open chair for our brothers that don't know we're here yet and in particular, our brothers who can't be here, that are locked up, that can't, can't be physically here right now. So in honor of that, but we always have an open chair. So I tell anyone, uh, any man that is processing or finding difficulty in navigating how to feel everything that I'm feeling, um, or even that if they just know that there's something to unpack, uh, come take a seat with us and, and you'll see. You'll see, we'll, we'll create this space for you to see what it's like to have a container like this. And uh, allkings.org? Allkings.org. There's an event page that usually has the next one or two events that are going on, but our emails are there, our our form of communication, anything like that. Allkings.org. All right. Raul, thank you so much. And thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Open Div podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to hear more, you can visit us at opendiv.org 
where you'll find over 70 other conversations with thought leaders, academics, and practitioners about the future of spirituality and meaning making. You can also sign up for our email list to hear about upcoming classes, podcast releases, and other fantastic offerings. Again, I'm Daniel Lev Shkolnik, and as the host of this season, I want to extend special thanks to all our guests for sharing their wisdom, to Casey Rosengren for helping produce this season, and for Engin Hassan for editing and sound design. If you like this episode, please rate it or share it with a friend. Thank you again for joining us. This is The Open Div Project.